Hello everyone, Dr. Viera here. I wanted to give you a trigger warning because I briefly mentioned suicide and self-harm in this episode, which I know can be distressing. I don't go into detail, but wanted to give you the heads up. If you're in the UK and seeking resources or support because you're worried about your child's mental health, you can call the Young Minds Free Parents Helpline for advice on 0808 802 5544 from Monday to Friday, 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you're in the United States, you can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 for free and confidential support 24-7. If you're located somewhere else in the world, please refer to your country's emergency phone number or suicide hotline to receive support. I also want to include a disclaimer that the information provided in this episode is meant to be an overview of childhood depression, but doesn't cover all possible scenarios, symptoms, or risk factors, and doesn't substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult your child's medical provider with any questions or concerns you have. If your child or teen is feeling suicidal and is thinking about hurting themselves, call 911 if you're in the US or 999 if you're in the UK or take them to the nearest emergency room. Welcome to Genius Little Minds, the podcast about childhood mental health from the perspective of a licensed mental health professional. I'm Dr. Madeline Vieira, a clinical child psychologist specializing in infant mental health and childhood anxiety disorders. I'm also a mother of three girls ages six, four, and two and a half, so I can personally relate to a lot of the struggles parents go through. Raising healthy children is important, so on each episode of Genius Little Minds, we'll dive into an aspect of childhood mental health. I'm here to shine a light on the tough issues that families like you are facing every day. Things like childhood mood disorders, anxiety, tricky family dynamics, and more. I'll guide you through the various aspects of children's mental health so you not only understand your child better, but also feel empowered as a parent to make decisions and help them seek treatment if it's needed. My mission is to demystify childhood mental health issues so you can connect with your child better and help them lead a healthy, happy life. Throughout the podcast, I'll help you understand the signs, symptoms, and treatments for various childhood psychological disorders. We'll talk about how you can best support your child in both school and at home and how to find professional help if necessary. Together, we'll navigate tough topics like infant attachment, toddler tantrums, signs of anxiety, ADHD, and childhood depression intrusive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, and so much more. So whether you're having trouble bonding with your newborn or you have an older child displaying behavioral difficulties, this podcast is for you. I work with infants and children with a wide range of mental health concerns. If you gain one thing from this podcast is that you are not alone. Thousands of families struggle with the same things that you do. And the good news is help is available. I believe that with the right information, you can make empowered decisions for your family. Last time, we talked about childhood anxiety disorders. So make sure to check out that two-part series if your child is struggling with phobias or compulsive behavior or excessive worry. I'm an anxiety specialist, so treating anxiety is near and dear to my heart. 
And I know that if you have an anxious child, you'll benefit from listening to those two episodes. Today, we're going to dive into a topic that you might be a little scared of as a parent, childhood depression. Yep, even kids can get depressed, which might seem a little depressing, but it's so important we destigmatize mental health issues and talk about these things openly, especially after the insane couple of years we've had due to the global pandemic, mental health issues are on the rise, so it's crucial you stay up to date on warning signs and risk factors. When parents or caregivers don't know the signs of depression, they may not help their child get the evaluation and treatment they need in a timely manner or at all. And I can't stress enough how important timely detection, diagnosis and treatment is because the outcomes tend to be so much better. So whether you have a preschooler, school-aged child, tween or teen who you think may be depressed, this podcast episode is for you. When you think of growing up, what comes to mind? For me, I think of learning to ride my bike for the first time, my first best friend who I met when I was five, the swing set we used to have in my backyard, and bumblebees I used to chase in my mom's flower garden. It was a blissful time, free of homework, job stress. The most important decision of my day was figuring out which color chalk to use for my sidewalk pictures. I get nostalgic for my childhood sometimes. I think many of us do. As a parent, it can be hard to accept that sometimes even children get depressed. What do they have to be depressed about anyway? They don't have to go to work. They don't pay taxes. They don't deal with complicated business, financial, or relational problems. They're not in charge of running a household. It can be hard to remember the painful parts of childhood or adolescence, like navigating secondary school, dealing with intense feelings that are tough to regulate, experiencing romantic rejection for the first time, doing homework, and many other challenges the youths of today face. Growing up can definitely be painful. It's not all rainbows and puppy dogs. While many children may exist in blissful ignorance and not have responsibility or cares, they can still get depressed. And some children have very real pressures and responsibilities put on them at a young age. We'll talk about risk factors for depression in a minute, but especially after the crazy past couple of years we've had with COVID and the lockdown, it's no wonder children have been struggling. Approximately 1.9 million children in the United States have been diagnosed with depression. That's roughly 3.2% of children between the ages of 3 and 17. Yes, even children as young as three can get depressed. In the UK, we see similar stats. About 1-3% to 3% of children and adolescents suffer from depression. It's one of the most common mental illnesses children and young people battle. One study found a rise in depressive symptoms in 7-12 to 12 year olds during the UK-wide lockdown. Another found that the prevalence of depression and anxiety in children and adolescents doubled during COVID-19 doubled. But are we surprised? School closures and social distancing were quite difficult on parents and children alike. During the first year of the pandemic, one in four youth worldwide experienced depressive symptoms. It's not all that surprising, since the pandemic caused dramatic disruptions to all of our lives. And frankly, your kids have been through a lot, 
social isolation, missing important milestones like school trips or dances, not to mention school closures, quarantine orders. It's been a lot for everyone. Do you remember how important your friends were to you when you were a teenager? Imagine not being able to see your friends every day and only getting to hang out with your lame family. I'm kidding about that last part. But I do think it's important to acknowledge just how much we've all been through since 2020. It's no wonder mental health has been a topic rising in popularity. So let's clarify what depression is and isn't. Depression isn't just feeling sad or down. When someone is depressed, they're persistently sad for weeks or even months on end. If their depression is really severe, they may even have thoughts of hurting themselves. I'll go through the signs and symptoms a bit later, but first, let's talk about what can cause childhood depression. The pandemic is an obvious one. We've all seen a rise in mental health concerns across the board as a result of it. Genetics is also a big one. There's no such thing as a depression gene, but kids can be genetically predisposed to being more sensitive, which can make a child more susceptible to developing a disorder such as anxiety or depression. If you or someone else in your family has depression, then blame it on your genes because your child is also more likely to develop it. In fact, children whose parents have depression are three times more likely to develop it. I point this out not to shame you or your family history, but to make it clear that if you have depression, your child may also develop it. It doesn't automatically mean they will, but it's something to know about your family history and be cognizant of. Chronic illnesses can also contribute to a child becoming depressed. Children between the ages of 3 and 5 who are diagnosed with a health condition like diabetes or asthma are likely to have a major depressive episode. Other psychiatric disorders, learning or developmental disorders, or conduct disorders can also contribute. Trauma, abuse, or neglect can also cause depression. Though, please understand, a child with depression has not necessarily been traumatized. It's really important to understand that. You're not going to be judged as a bad parent if your child does in fact have depression. There are so many factors that can contribute, and the person who does the evaluation isn't going to point fingers at you and say it's your fault or you did something wrong. I think a lot of parents are afraid to admit their child has a mental health issue because they're worried they'll be blamed or it will reflect poorly on them and their parenting abilities. Mental health is just so much more complicated than that. So it's important to not let ego or fear of judgment get in the way of taking your child in for an evaluation if you think something is wrong. Stressful events like a death in the family or a divorce can also impact a child's mental health. And sometimes children just have chemical imbalances in their brain that can increase the risk of them developing depression. You may have noticed some behavior changes in your child lately, so you're wondering if maybe they're depressed. Let's go through some common ones. A depressed child might say the following, I'm bored. I'm not good at anything. It's always my fault. I don't have any real friends. Nobody likes me. I suck at sports. I suck at school. I suck at music lessons, etc. I wish I had never been born. My tummy, my head hurts. I'm so tired. Now, obviously, not every child who complains of being bored or tired is depressed. 
But often children don't have the language or resources to express big feelings, so they might resort to complaining about boredom, fatigue, or physical ailments like headaches. So ask yourself, does your child frequently talk about being bored? Have they completely lost interest in activities or hobbies they used to enjoy? If they've given up riding their bike, for example, or going to the park or playing baseball, basically, if they're completely uninterested in things they used to love, this could be a warning sign. Have you ever heard your child say, I'm not good at anything, or it's always my fault? Negative statements such as these could indicate low self-esteem, low self-worth, or feelings of emptiness or guilt. All of these are warning signs of depression. Of course, it's normal for children to doubt themselves sometimes, but chronic low self-esteem, lack of confidence, or obsessing over shortcomings can point to something bigger. Does your child complain about not having any real friends? Have you noticed they're closing off from you, other family members or peers? These are also warning signs that your child may be depressed. Complaining of physical ailments is another one we see a lot in depressed children. This one is a bit trickier because it can be hard to tell if your child is sick or if they're experiencing psychosomatic symptoms. If you take your child to the doctor and their digestive issues, headaches or stomach aches remain unexplained, then they could point to anxiety or depression. And last but not least, if your child complains of being tired all the time, this could point to a mental health issue. Of course, children are exhausted from time to time. That's normal. They might have a really hard basketball game or a long day at school and feel super tired afterward. Maybe they didn't sleep well. That all makes sense. But if your child is chronically exhausted, you'll want to speak to a pediatrician to rule out any thyroid or other physical conditions and investigate further to see if the fatigue is a sign of them being depressed. Really pay attention to the things your child is saying because it could point you to some of these symptoms and always take suicidal signs seriously. If your child or teen is feeling suicidal and is thinking about hurting themselves, call your local emergency number or take them to the nearest emergency room. Let's talk a little about how depression presents in different age groups. In preschoolers, depression might look a little different than, say, in teens. Yep, even preschool-age children can get depressed. Say, your child regresses to baby-talking, thumb-sucking, behaviors they've long since grown out of. Or maybe they start to exhibit signs of separation anxiety and you're thinking, geez, I thought we were past that stage already. What is going on? Regressing to younger behaviors could all point to depression in young children. Or maybe your child is acting aggressively toward you or peers. Maybe you got a call from school about aggressive behavior or your child acting really, really tired and not wanting to play. All of these are signs you should take note of and mention to your child's doctor when you take them in for an evaluation. Depression in school-age children might look a little different. Ever been unable to pry your eight-year-old away from the TV? Do they just not want to do anything anymore but be a couch potato? They don't even want to play with Legos, their most favorite toy in the whole wide world? If that kind of behavior strikes you as out of character, your instinct is probably correct. They could be struggling with their mental health. So as much as you want to yell at them to turn off the TV, go do their chores and get to their homework, it's not that simple. 
If you've noticed your child is especially gloomy, down, or pessimistic, or if they talk about difficulties with their peers or friends, they could be depressed. Depending on the type of relationship you have with your child, they may come and tell you directly they're feeling sad, lonely, or are being bullied. The more information you have about their internal world, what they're thinking about and feeling, the better. Let's face it though, sometimes our kids just don't want to talk to us. So if you have noticed changes in your child and they won't talk to you when you ask them about it, see if they'll talk to another trusted adult like a teacher or family friend who can then offer you more insights into your child's internal world. As for tweens and teens, they can show the symptoms of depression we've already talked about, but they might also display irritability, grumpiness, or frequent anger. Teenagers have a bad reputation for being moody or irritable regardless, typically attributed to changing hormones. But the reality is those symptoms could point to a mental health issue. Depressed teens are also more likely to engage in risky behavior, self-harm, or abuse alcohol and drugs than younger children. So you'll want to take their irritability or moodiness seriously. They could be in a lot of pain. These symptoms can blur across age groups. These aren't hard and fast rules, but rather guidelines to help you as you observe your child's behavior. In any age group, you want to notice if your child is often tearful, cries frequently, or feels sad a lot of the time. Sometimes tearful children are written off as simply sensitive, but the truth of the matter is they may be struggling with depression or anxiety. Depression and anxiety often go hand in hand, so make sure you listen to my two-part series on the eight common anxiety disorders in children to learn the signs, symptoms, and treatments. There's a lot of good info in there to help you empathize with what your child is going through and give you an idea of how an anxious brain works. All right, let's get back to depression. By now, you're probably wondering if depression can be treated. Yes, it can. Depression is treatable. But here's the thing. It doesn't go away on its own. Let me say that again. Depression doesn't go away on its own. It's not something your child will simply grow out of or get over. Professional intervention is needed. Treatment for depression takes time. Because a depressed child might be blaming themselves for how they're feeling, they may not seek help. It can be hard for someone with depression to speak up and ask for help. And it's even harder for a child. They may be wondering, why me? Why do I feel this way? And think something is wrong with them. Shame and confusion about how they're feeling might cause them to suffer in silence. If they do talk to you, they might have a hard time believing you when you say treatment can help alleviate their suffering. A clinician will be able to perform a formal evaluation to determine if your child has depression and then create a treatment plan. Other health concerns or disorders will also be ruled out at this time. Sometimes children have multiple things going on. Children with undiagnosed ADHD, learning disorders or anxiety, for example, sometimes also develop depression. Anxiety and depression are frequently comorbid, meaning they often occur simultaneously. ADHD, oppositional defined disorder, conduct disorder, PTSD, or a substance use disorder may also be comorbid with childhood depression. A clinician who specializes in childhood mental health will be able to determine if depression is the only thing going on. 
After coming to a diagnosis, they'll recommend a treatment plan. For children and teens, treatment is going to be the most successful when the parents or family are involved. Education on the matter can go a long way. Unfortunately, if left untreated, there's an increased risk for future depressive episodes that are prolonged and more severe. Depression that goes untreated can pose the risk of suicide in children and adolescents. Because depression can be caused by genetic, biological, psychological, and social components, a treatment plan that explores all of these aspects and addresses them each individually is best. Don't be surprised if you're expected to participate in family therapy if you have a young child with depression. And like I said, being involved will likely benefit your older child too. CBT, which stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and Interpersonal Therapy are recommended for treating mild depression in children. If your child has moderate to severe depression, medication will likely also be recommended. Typically, a comprehensive treatment plan will include both therapy and medication if a child or teen is moderately or severely depressed. Because antidepressants can sometimes increase the risk of suicide, it's incredibly important that the family and patient are educated about the risks and side effects of the medication and a safety plan is put in place. Make follow-up appointments and work closely with your child's doctor to understand concerning behaviors that would warrant immediate follow-up. You may already be familiar with CBT, especially if you listen to the episodes about anxiety disorders. Through CBT, your child learns that their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are all connected. So if they change one, all three are affected. CBT helps your child identify unhelpful thought patterns like nobody likes me or I'm not good at anything. Over time, your child will learn to choose healthier, more realistic thoughts, develop problem-solving abilities, and set attainable goals. In therapy, your child might be asked to do activity monitoring to determine which activities help them feel better and which make them feel worse. Exercise or talking to a friend, for example, might help a child feel more connected and less isolated. If you think your child is depressed, seek out the help of a clinician who specializes in working with children or teens. For the last part of today's podcast, we'll have a Q&A so you can hear from parents just like you whose children are also struggling. Hi, this is Evelyn. I'm calling from Boston, Massachusetts. I have a 14-year-old daughter who started high school this year. She doesn't seem to like herself. It, it seems like she's having a hard time making friends. She seems tired and unhappy all the time. But I don't know why, because she won't talk to me about anything. When I brought up the possibility of going to therapy, she completely shut down and she said she wasn't crazy. I'm worried about her. What should I do? Thanks for calling in, Evelyn. I know this situation must be so hard for you as you want the best for your daughter, but can't pinpoint what might be going on for her. She could be dealing with a typical teenager hormonal imbalance, or she could be struggling with the loss of a friendship or perhaps academic difficulties. This is such a challenging age and she could be having difficulty with a number of things. To start, it might help to find low-pressure activities to do together. 
these would be activities where you two can do something side by side, but don't necessarily have to just sit and talk to each other. It may be difficult to find an activity that you suggest that she actually wants to do. Instead, ask her, is there something you've always wanted to try that we could do together? Maybe pottery or painting or horseback riding? Or perhaps shall we go out to eat at that new restaurant in town? She may say, I don't know, mom. I can't think of anything. In response, say, that's totally fine. Take all the time you need to think about it. I'll be here when you're ready to talk. During these activities, let the conversation flow naturally. Don't push her to talk, but give her space to bring up whatever is on her mind. This will take a lot of patience, but that patience will pay off when she decides to open up of her own accord. It's likely that she's craving connection, but not finding it in her peers. Seek out as many opportunities as you can to grow that connection with her. I commend you for attempting to get her support from a mental health professional. If you think that her mental health could benefit from help from a therapist or psychologist, it's important to not give up. It may be useful to explain to your daughter what therapy actually is. Sometimes people have a warped view of therapy from TV shows and movies and do think that it's only for people that are really crazy, which is clearly not correct. Tell her therapy is like going to the doctor to feel better when you have the flu. A therapist can help you feel better when you're, for example, feeling sad or anxious. Just like you don't feel ashamed when you have the flu and go to the doctor, you shouldn't feel ashamed when going to a therapist. She might say, I'm still not sure I need that, mom, or I'm nervous about what they might say to me. You can reply, a therapist is someone who's non-judgmental, who will listen to whatever is on your mind. They may give you strategies to cope with the struggles that you're having, but they won't be pushy. It may make you feel a lot better. It may feel hard to convince your daughter, but it's important for her health and safety that you remain persistent while being patient if you feel that she could benefit from it. Hi, this is Juliana, and I'm calling from Buenos Aires, Argentina. I'm quite worried about my 10-year-old son. He plays video games almost all evening after he's done with his homework. I'm trying to get him involved in sports or clubs, anything to get him some social interaction or exercise. But he's very stubborn. He says video games are social because he plays with his friends. Is he depressed if he stays locked up in his room playing violent video games all night? Or does he just have a different idea of fun than I do? I'm so glad that you called in with this question, Juliana. More and more parents are navigating how to manage their children's relationship with video games and how to keep that a healthy relationship. Your son may not necessarily be experiencing depression if you aren't also seeing some of the other hallmark symptoms of depression we discussed earlier. Playing video games may simply be a source of entertainment that he really enjoys. This does not mean, though, that hours of video games are healthy or what is best for him. He could also be feeling peer pressure from his friends to play the video games, this pressure is all too common during the teenager phase and the need for acceptance by peers. Five keys to a positive mental and physical state are eating well, exercising enough, getting enough sleep, having quality social connections, and feeling a sense of purpose in life. You need to ask yourself if video games are getting in the way of him meeting some of these needs and being in a good mental place. 
You would be right to be concerned if the video games or stimulation after playing video games is interfering with his sleep schedule or stopping him from getting enough exercise and in-person social interaction. To explain to him the importance of these five key needs, talk to him about fueling his body well. Say to him, exercise fills up your body with muscle and energy. Good food fills your body with energy. Social interactions fill your need for connection. Purpose and goals fill you with a sense of achievement. And sleep allows your brain to rest, recover, and be rejuvenated for the next day. Then ask him, do you think that video games help you fulfill all these needs? He might say, well, it's entertaining and social. And you could say, that's good that it fulfills some needs for you. Do you think, though, that it might get in the way from satisfying other needs, like getting sleep or exercising enough? He might agree and say, yeah, it does make it harder to fall asleep, and I don't move around much when I play. You could then ask, what activities could we add into your routine to help meet those other unsatisfied needs? This may be the part of the conversation where you can bring up other clubs, sports, or activities that he could be a part of. When children understand the why behind what we're suggesting as an alternative option, they are much more likely to consider it. Consider setting boundaries for how long each evening your son is allowed to play video games. Provide a set time that the screen needs to be turned off so that he isn't staying up too late. You could also consider limits on the types of video games that he's playing so he's not exposed to violent or graphic material. If possible, involve your son in deciding what these boundaries are. Go into the conversation knowing your firm boundaries, but allow for negotiation. Ask him, what do you think would be a fair time to stop playing video games each night so that you sleep well? If your son feels ownership in the boundaries around his time playing video games and understands why those boundaries are in place, he is much more likely to stick to them on his own instead of you having to be the enforcer. Hello, uh, this is Etienne from Paris, France. Uh, I'm calling because my wife and I recently separated and my five years old seems to be taking it really hard. She cries almost every day and throws a fit when I try to get her ready for school. Right now, she, she stays with me during the week and goes to her mom's on weekends. She cries for her mom almost every day and I started hitting children at school. How can I talk to her about what's happening when she's so little? Etienne, thanks for sharing and asking for help with this difficult situation. The huge shifts that happen during a separation can be really difficult for a child. You might find that gentle but direct conversations with your daughter will help her better understand why the separation is happening. You can say to her, Mom and Dad have decided that for everyone to be happier, we will live in different houses. But we both still love you so much. I know that so many things are changing, but we will both always be here for you. This will never change. She may give you pushback and say, but I want us all to live together in one house. Or I want to see mommy all of the time. You can say in response, I understand that that's how you feel and this must be so difficult. Daddy and mommy really want you to be happy and to spend time with us both. But right now, what's best for everyone is for us to live in two houses. I would encourage you to stick to the routine even though your daughter struggles with it. And it must be so hard for you to witness her this way. If this is the schedule that is going to be in place for the foreseeable future, 
the less it is deviated from, the sooner she will adapt to it. Young children especially need a clear routine and this new way of doing things may take a few weeks or months for her to get used to. You may be able to explain to her what day she's with mommy and which are with you. But because she is so young, she's much more likely to understand better by just experiencing the new schedule over the next few months. As young children are very visual, you could also hang up a large calendar on which you highlight the day she's with you and the day she's with her mom and having her mark the calendar daily with your help so she gets a better sense of time spent with either of you. It may help to talk with her at night when she's calm about the next morning. Ask her, what does mommy do to get you ready that you like? Do you like to wear certain clothes? Or have your hair done a certain way? Is there something special you'd like for breakfast? I understand that you're used to mommy helping you with most of these things, but I'd really like to try to help with this if you let me. These questions may give you insight into what is making her upset in the mornings and help you use actionable steps to help her. Try giving her as much independence as possible in the getting ready process. Let her pick out her own outfit or have her choose between two or three outfits you know will be right to wear to school. So you give her a sense of control while maintaining boundaries. You can also let her decide how she'd like her hair styled. Having a sense of control in this area when it feels like so much of her life is changing may make a big difference. As much as possible, ask open-ended questions to get the conversation started about other areas that she might be struggling with. To talk about school, you could ask, how has it been at school? Could you tell me more about your friends? What have you been learning in class? And has anything been difficult for you at school? Let the conversation progress naturally with her responses. She may bring up the divorce or her mother or her hitting other children. Try hard to keep your tone and reaction neutral so that she feels safe to keep sharing. You may find it helpful to also get her teacher's insight on what is happening at school. You can also try spending at least 15 minutes one-to-one time each day connecting and bonding with your daughter without mobile phones or any other distractions. This doesn't necessarily have to be time spent in conversation. Play her favorite games, color pictures together, or read a book to her. Building your connection will help her feel more secure and safe. It would be good to consider taking your daughter to therapy to work through the emotions that she's feeling. A therapist can get to the root of what your daughter is feeling and help give all three of you strategies to help her cope. I suggest play and creative arts therapy for this age group as it's easier for children to express their emotions through play than in words. The therapist will likely give specific suggestions that you can implement at home to give her painful feelings a place and to decrease anxiety and anger symptoms with all the recent changes. You could talk with your daughter's mother about working on some separation anxiety techniques with her. The therapist could also help guide this work. These techniques could include reading books or drawing pictures about being apart, but then coming back together. This could help with both the separation pains while she's with you and while she's at school. Therapy will be most effective if both you and your daughter's mother follow the therapist's suggestions. Though the relationship between the two of you may be tense at times, your daughter's health and safety needs to come first. The more amicable the relationship is, the better for your daughter. That way you can work in unity to make sure your daughter's needs are met. Hi, uh, this is Lorenzo, and uh, I'm calling from the Milan area in Italy. And 
my child uh, used to really love running and uh, it was something we used to enjoy doing together and lately uh, he hasn't been feeling like going on runs and when I invite him he says he's too tired or has too much homework and um, I don't want to push him but I also know how much exercise helps uh, um, improve my mood um, so my question is um, should I make him come running with me or just mm, let it go um, he's in the last year of secondary school so maybe he's just not interested in, in hanging out with me anymore Hi, Lorenzo. I know that this change in your child may seem strange to you and hard to understand. Thanks for reaching out to me for help. Pushing your child to do an activity they have clearly said they don't want to do is not the answer. We want our children to feel respected and that their saying no has value and power. This is likely about more than just running, so his no to that is not concerning. It's easy to think that running really improves your mood, So surely it will also help him. Everyone is different though. Try to think of other activities that you could do with him to connect and spend time with him. You could ask him directly what activities he would enjoy doing with you or you could look at the activities he enjoys doing with his friends and pursue one of those. Think football, rock climbing or tennis or maybe something less active like chess or building model airplanes. I would encourage you to investigate your son's response on him being too tired and him having too much homework. Puberty brings about tiredness for many teenagers because of the huge hormonal and physical changes their bodies are undergoing. But extreme and long-lasting tiredness can be a sign of physical or mental ailments. If you're concerned, suggest to your son for him to reach out to your family doctor or pediatrician. Schoolwork can also be a major source of stress at this age. Find out if there's a particular subject he's struggling with. Ask him, would you like my help with your homework? Or can I help you in some other way? He might say, no, I can do it on my own. Don't take offense to his pushback. Instead, say in an even voice, okay, I'm always here if you change your mind. He may not need your help, but it's important for him to know that, one, you take his concerns seriously, and two, you are available if he needs help. This age is fraught with changes. Continue to be involved even when he gives you pushbacks. Eventually, he will know that you are a stable force in his life that he can count on, regardless of how rocky the teenager phase is. In today's episode, we covered a lot of ground on childhood depression. Here are three key points to remember. One. Depression does not go away on its own. Timely detection and treatment can be life-changing. Two, you're not going to be judged as a bad parent if your child has depression. Children become depressed for a wide range of reasons. Genetics is only one factor and the rest may have nothing to do with you. Three, depression and anxiety often go hand in hand and it may also occur simultaneously with ADHD, oppositional defined disorder, conduct disorder, or substance use disorders. Work with your child's doctor to rule out other possible diagnoses. I hope you found this useful on childhood depression useful. If depression is a concern, please consult a mental health professional. 
Working with a professional and educating the entire family can help your child feel supported, seen and heard. Hang in there and keep showing up for your child. You're doing a great job. Stay tuned because on the next episode, we'll continue our discussion on childhood mental health by talking about ADHD, looking at symptoms, risk factors, trends, treatment options, and more. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.